my God. What? What year is it? We've become unstuck in time. This is nuts. The station just doesn't disappear and reappear four years later like some kind of flying Dutchman. You want to talk socks? What kind of question is that? Fasten then zip. You? Fasten zip. Hello, and welcome to Who Are You? A Babylon 5 watchcast hosted by two friends who have gotten to know each other and will continue to get to know each other while going over one of their favorite TV shows of all time, Babylon 5. I'm Jafer. And I'm Laura. And Laura, today I get to ask you, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Do you know who I am? You got in real close there. I, I did. <laughs> this is why this is why we put the pop filter like here. <laughs> so that way I will just hit my face up against it and stop me from getting too close to my microphone. You're like an animal in the zoo, like <laughs> poking it. <laughs> I love it. But anyway, I am an animal rescuer. We haven't fostered animals in a while because with a child, that's a little harder to do, right? Mm-hmm. Because the child is going to fall in love with every single animal that you bring in the house and not want yeah. the animals to leave. But when my husband and I first got married, I had a rescue Pekingese who I still have. She has problems with dudes, but she did adapt to my husband. She, mm-hmm. she likes my husband, my father, his father, and that's it <laughs> as far as dudes go. Oh, I guess in our son, but he's not really like dude yet you know yeah he's child yeah those hormones haven't hit yet right right he's sidebar he's really interested in puberty like every time he hears about like puberty on tv he's like am i going through puberty and i'm like (laughs) and it's not nearly as exciting you're not gonna have a good time (laughs) nope nope it's adorable though to, to hear him talk about it yeah he's excited yeah but back to my point I still have my rescue Pekingese. We wound up adopting a terrier mix that we still Mm -hmm. have. We wound up, how did we wind up fostering? I guess everybody probably has this moment that has been an animal rescue for any amount of time where you try to figure out why did I start this? It was because (laughs) some stray dogs showed up at our house and no one would take them. You know, like we could, we could drop them off at the shelter, but they might die there. Yeah. No no kill shelter was just going to take them like everybody was full yeah so we said okay we will foster these dogs right one of them was adopted by our roommate the other one we took to the adoption group there they have this big thing in the park every so often so we took it to the the thing in the park and Mm -hmm. this dog he did not like cats so that was a a hard thing in our house because i still had my 17 year old cat Mm -hmm. he was very set in his ways yeah. So we needed him to like get adopted, but he was a, a bird dog, right? So a oh, hound. What kind? Like a, just a, you know, a mix, just a like a okay. hound that could definitely be a hunting dog, I would think, if somebody knew how to train them. I could train him to sit and that's all I could do, right? Yeah. 
that's that's the one trick that I know how to get dogs to do is to sit. And I got him to do it really well. He would do it. So we took him to this thing in the park. He got excited, as bird dogs do, and he broke mm-hmm. off the volunteer's leash. So <laughs> the volunteers were trying to show the dogs around. He breaks off the leash, goes running down the street. A lady who sees him running down the street yells at him to sit. And that dog sat right in the middle of the street. He was like, oh, I know this one. (laughs) (laughs) And so he got adopted by a family that saw that. They were like, that's a smart dog. We're going to take this dog and we're going to train him. We went back to the event afterwards because they hadn't called us and said he got adopted. Yeah. And the organization was like, hey, we have this dachshund that really needs to be fostered (laughs) right now. (laughs) I see you. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But my husband is just the animal whisperer, like animals that are touchy or, you know, fearful. They're not afraid of my husband. Mm-hmm. So, and he's a soft touch. <laughs> and so they're, they're trying to give us the sell on the stocks and like, can you foster her just for a little bit? She just had her puppies get adopted at the event and they just needed someone to, to take her where she wouldn't be sad in the previous foster home and they're giving me this hard sell and I'm ready to say no and my husband's like okay yeah Yeah. (laughs) we'll foster her yeah and I want to say that we probably went through about 50 dogs um fostering in the time that we did it because it was a few years we Mm -hmm. did it before Owen was born and then for you know maybe till he was about two we took a few okay but then he started to notice and wonder where the animals were going and we were like nope (laughs) no more (laughs) we can't do this i probably had seven pekingese i want to say because they knew that i liked pekingese and so anytime there was a pekingese in need they said hey will you take it (laughs) yeah probably had about the same number of basset hounds my husband's got a really like connection spiritual connection with basset with the basset hound With their big floppy faces. And (laughs) the thing about basset hounds that you don't realize when you're taking one into your home and you know nothing about them is that, yeah, they're short, but they are long. So that dog can get that loaf of bread off the counter and they will. (laughs) (laughs) We had some puppies. We've, we've gone through the, the loss of puppies. Actually, Mm. it sucks. Yeah, it's tough. There was a, there was a hoarder out in Western Oklahoma that had like 70 dogs and puppies. Whoa. They got busted. This rescue group got called in to take the animals. Mm-hmm. And we got a, a mama Pekingese and her little half peak, half Shih Tzu babies. But none of these animals had their shots. And so we saw what distemper looks like when distemper gets puppies. Uh. And so everybody, please get, please get your puppies their shots. Yeah, it's important. That one is not good. I mean, the other big one is Parvo, which is not good either. We never had that in our house, but mm-hmm. we did a few cats. We wound up keeping our first kitten that we fostered because mm-hmm. <laughs> she is in love with my husband and she's still with us. But there was a, a few that just, you know, cats just happen to people sometimes. Like yeah. they'll just show up. We had one that was found under somebody's hood of their car mm-hmm. you know in the middle of a rainstorm but yeah I'd, I'd say probably between dogs and cats 50 to 60 that have come through our house I just you know there's so many animals especially in Oklahoma I don't know what 
the situation was like in Michigan, but you're not required to have licenses for your pets here. Okay. So people don't spay and neuter very well. Mm. And we have a huge overpopulation in our state. So we just, we did what we could for that problem for a time. Yeah. And we probably would again. Yeah. It's not, I mean, it's an issue here for sure, but I have a feeling the stray issue is very different if only because our winters get so cold Mm. and I hate to, uh, it is not, not a pretty thought, but yeah. No, you're probably right. A lot of stray dogs running around outside of like abandoned parts of Detroit. Yeah. Where there's like shelters and stuff. So I'm not sure how to wrap that up. Yeah. I don't know either because the episode starts on tachyons. So it doesn't really tie in with anything we talked about. Here's the thought let's do a little uh, personality casting. Of our three that we get in our opening scene, we have Sinclair, Garibaldi, Ivanova, just to recap. Mm -hmm. What kind of person do you think each of them is? As in cat person, dog person, or indifferent? I think Garibaldi is a dog person. Oh, definitely, yes. I think Ivanova is a cat person. And I think Sinclair has three of each. <laughs> Just like me? <laughs> we literally have three of each. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Aw, I have something in common with Sinclair. That's nice. I also have something in common with Ivanova because I do also hate mornings very much. Yeah. (laughs) I used to not be a morning person. I was not a morning person all through college, like even as like an adult. And then I traveled for work. I worked thirds for years. And when I really got off working thirds, I became a morning person. Hmm. I wake up about 20 minutes before my alarm every morning, regardless of when I set it. I am usually a right out of bed kind of person. Like, oh, I'm awake. Time for the day. (laughs) So weird. Coffee? Oh, I'll remember to make that in an hour or two. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know when it happened. Exactly. I I guess I do know exactly when it happened. I said when it happened, but yeah. yeah. I have to, I don't know that I could put it. Don't know why, maybe. Don't know why it happened. Yeah. Yeah. This is hilarious. (laughs) This whole bit. With Sinclair, like, luring her to sleep. Oh. Talking about his meditation. I was going to tell you that, you know, I've done hypnotherapy. We talked about that. that I Yeah, how's that? Actually, I need nail bite update 2022, Laura. (laughs) I'm actually going back next week. (laughs) You know that I had a very stressful January and February. Yes. And I did start biting them again. Mm. I have not bitten any of them off. Like, you probably can't. My camera is very bad, but they are, I promise they are there. Okay. Um, but I do bite at them and that's enough that I was like, nah, I need to go back. And Sinclair's technique that he's using here is very, very hypnotherapy. I was like, this is the same voice. <laughs> this is the same. Like, <laughs> it's literally just a recording for Babylon 5. Breathing in, breathing out, breathing in, breathing out. Breathing in, breathing out. This, it's the same pacing. I was like, yeah, yeah. he's got it. <laughs> <laughs> Just lulls her right to sleep. They trade out all their dishes for empty ones and then wake her up really loudly with like a clap. And it's like, oh, breakfast is done. It's been half an hour. And she's just like, what? <laughs> 
I thought this was very mean and very dangerous. <laughs> but they agree it's dangerous, and Claire tells Garibaldi he's going to notify his next of kin. Oh, Garibaldi! You're a dead man! You know, I don't think we actually told everybody what episode we're talking about today. I mean, no, we we didn't mention that we're watching season one, episode twenty-one, Babylon Squared. And we didn't mention it because we've already talked at length about how we love this episode, and it's so love great. this episode <laughs> so much. I was so excited to watch this episode, and <laughs> yes. it doesn't disappoint no matter how many times I've seen it. We're so excited to talk about it. We just forgot a whole part of our podcast. A whole whole part of our bit. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Segways be damned. We're just going in. Yep. We cut to Star Fury Alpha 7 has been Mm -hmm. scanning an unknown area of space that was putting off these tachyon emissions that got Ivanova out of bed. Mm -hmm. He starts to see something, but he can't communicate to Ivanova what it is before he gets blinded by the light. And possibly exploded. Uh, yeah, we're not quite sure. Something happens to commercial or yeah. to theme. Yep. Something happens to theme. And once we're back, the Star Fury's autopiloting back to the station, but they can't communicate with the pilot. At the same time, Delenn leads the station alone. And then the Star Fury makes it back, and the pilot is dead from old age. Dun, dun, dun. They go out of their way to tell us that he looked his normal age, mm-hmm. but inside he had aged 60 90 years whatever yeah instantly but then they don't show us the pilot and i feel like the only reason you say that is to have us see the pilot without having to put old makeup on him Uh uh-huh right and they don't even bother and then they cut that right so weird just have the line be he's three times older we're not showing him anyways use your imagination (laughs) (laughs) you know i was a little bit curious about the beginning of this episode the these openings here because we've heard that these are tachyon bursts yes the elusive tachyon yes like like a nerd i googled tachyon just to be sure about what it was you know you hear Mm -hmm. it in star trek you hear it here um it is the the theoretical particle that has to do with time and I was like, why are, why are the red flags not going off? The alarm mm-hmm. bells ringing right away. Because we yeah. know Sector 14 is where Babylon 4 was. Yeah. And now we have tachyons. <laughs> like, yep. these You're things like, go together. This <laughs> part of space is so unstable, we're never building a station here again. And we're also going to ignore it and not monitor it completely. Yeah. Yeah. It does not check out. Has an information technology professional if this was like a customer server and this was our thought about it, it just goes down sometimes. It vanished and we're just not even going to bother. I would lose my damn mind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way people think about computers, though. They're like, I don't know. It just won't work. And it's- The Internet's a series of tubes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Al Gore invented the Internet. Yeah, that shit. Mm-hmm. Yep. <sighs> so apparently that's going to stick around and apply to space later. I want to um, say, too, that this whole plot with Delenn mm-hmm. did not remember that at all. Yeah. All I remembered important. was everything else. And, you know, maybe it's a, the child brain, right? The mm-hmm. Delenn plot is a lot of standing around in potato sacks and talking. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, the rest of the plot is a little more. It, it grabs your child brain a little better. <laughs> That's fair. We cut to Delenn, who is somewhere waiting for a beacon. We cut back and Garibaldi tells us about the pilot, 
dying of old age who carved B4 into his belt buckle. With what? <laughs> right? Like, that is a steel belt buckle that looks like it was made out of clay now. Yeah. It's, you would not make a safety device out of any metal so malleable that you could just carve it with your fingernail. Mm-hmm. And it now just dawns on everyone that mm-hmm. Babylon 4 could be involved. Yeah, Ivanova assumes that this is Babylon 4 for the sake of the plot moving along. Yes. <laughs> not maybe maybe they meant before like earlier. It's time travel. It's tachyons. Makes much more sense to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like no, it must be Babylon 4. It's like Obviously. way to jump the fucking cart. And then it's like, oh no, it's actually Babylon 4 confirmed. It's like 15 seconds later. Yeah, CNC calls in to confirm that yes, Ivanova is right. Babylon 4 recognition signal confirmed. We are talking about Babylon 4. We have a distress signal from Sector 14. Mm -hmm. We go through this techno babble that it's definitely Babylon 4 because we all have this special code to make sure that... The encrypted signal matches the codes that would have been used at the time. Yeah. It's an older code, sir, but it checks out. Yeah, we've done our two-factor authentication. This is definitely Babylon 4. Yeah, the duo push was successful. We know it's you. (laughs) They pick up Major Krantz on the TV, mm-hmm. and he was apparently the commander that was in charge of preparing Babylon 4 for service. He is asking for assistance. It's a yeah. distress call. They need to evacuate the station. And Sinclair very carefully identifies himself as an Earth Force commander mm-hmm. and not the commander of Babylon 5, which is very tactful of him. I appreciated that. <laughs> it, it, it was very tactful of him. And he just threw it out the window in about a minute and a half. Yeah. <laughs> well, they were going to find out sometime. <laughs> yeah. But at the time, he's just like, oh, Earth Force Commander Sinclair of Babylon. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> Babylon 3. How crazy is this? <laughs> You're in the past. Yeah. Um, so while this is all going on, Delenn docks with a Mimbari cruiser. And then uh, Sinclair and Garibaldi play the alphabet game with the signs on the road as they're driving to Babylon 4. <laughs> For the record, zip then fasten. Really? Yeah. Oh, I see. I was going to tell you, when I first saw this episode, I was a zip then fasten and I became a fasten zip after that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's the physics of it, right? So you fasten first <laughs> and the zip becomes easier. And if you're someone who fluctuates weight a lot. Okay. Uh, then you want to you wanna make that zip nice and easy. I mean, I suppose part of my zipping is holding like the top of the pants near each yeah. other. Yeah. And I'm not like, I wear baggy pants. So there's like, typically, like I, I like wearing pants that are a size larger than I require. I like the room and then I tighten with a belt. Yeah. yeah. And so I've always got the extra fabric there. There's like room for my fingers to hold everything while I'm zipping it up. They're not like, skinny jeans or anything yeah no that's not really my style yeah all right it's not as not quite as uh acceptable for (laughs) my (laughs) my position i guess i don't know but yeah we we taught that to our son too when you know you because you have you have to did you know have to teach everything to children you have to teach them everything everything yeah the stuff that you just take for granted Uh yes i remember my father being quite upset that i didn't know how to sweep when I was a child uh-huh. and he just never taken the time. He's like, just take the, you just do it. You sweep. And I'm just all like, I don't know what you mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Like seven-year-old me, just very confused at the prospect of what he was asking. I just did not understand. Yeah. So we taught him fast and zip. 
Okay. <laughs> Fun conversation, Garibaldi. What a what a master of the conversational arts. I want to know what he was going to ask about socks. That is a burning question left mm-hmm. over from this episode. Of all the questions left unanswered after this episode, what did Garibaldi want to know about socks? Yeah, because there's not really more than one way to put those on, right? So I mean, sitting down, standing up, I guess. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, or do you do you scrunch them up and then stick your toes in and pull it? Mm, from yes. your toes or well, do you yeah, just, that's just a, yeah makes sense rather than the whole tube at once but i wear long socks so yeah. i don't know yeah but I, I guarantee you there are people out there that don't scrunch yeah so email us <laughs> i have to i don't know i have like a size 12 and a half foot yeah i cannot just it takes time <laughs> let me put it that way there, and i because i wear tall socks on top of it because i usually wear boots mm-hmm. and so it's just there's a lot of sock to, a lot of ground the socks have to cover, <laughs> you know, to like rub that tube. All, <laughs> no judgment on anyone who, I don't want to yuck anyone's yums about how to put socks on. We've really gotten off topic. We, we are having a day. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Delenn is in the gray council chambers. We know from their potato sacks. Uh-huh. And they tell her that she has been picked to replace her mentor, Dukat, in his previous role as Prefect of Bajor. I mean, Gull. I mean, Leggett. I mean, leader of the Cardassian Union. I mean, emissary of the Padres. I mean, the leader of the Grey Council. That's the one. I want to know what the hell is going on. Up yours. Come, never got me a damn thing. Don't turn your back on me. Don't you even try to walk away from me. Just who the hell do you think you are? If you have something to say to me, say it. Now get the hell out of our galaxy. That's a lot. <laughs> Got there. Nice. <laughs> Speaking of tangents. <laughs> waiting for that joke for most of the season. <laughs> oh, you, you put some time into that one. Any excuse to play the nine to five drop. Any. Delenn objects because of the prophecy. Hmm which she is told will attend to itself. And I love that. <laughs> I mean, that's a good argument, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the point of prophecy. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you have to make it happen, is it a prophecy? Yeah. The prophecy will attend to itself. That's how they work. Not going to mm. worry about it. Do your job. Yeah. That's a very Bajoran <laughs> thing, too. <laughs> it is. <laughs> love it. They tell her that she's got to stay with the council. And mm-hmm. she must be very relieved not to have to go back to Babylon 5. Rude. Though they clearly haven't met Delenn. Yeah. <laughs> haven't seen her in a while. Back in Sector 14, the rescue shuttles see Babylon 4 reappear. I mm-hmm. almost said 5. This is going to be hard. They see Babylon 4. Just wait 4. for our upcoming Sinclair Sheridan shift. No, it's going to be tough then too. Remember the trouble I had in the first couple of episodes? It's going to be that, but in reverse all over again. Yay. It all comes around. So we see Babylon 4 as we approach the shuttle's dock. Sinclair and Garibaldi decide to go first, check things out, and they get assaulted by a distressed crew member who doesn't realize they're there to rescue him. Yep. You just walk into a gunfight. (laughs) But they, uh, they managed to not get shot major Krantz comes in the gunfight ends and he uh confirms the time jump they've missed the last four years yeah that's wild sinclair has a flash to a different time 
where he and Garibaldi are fighting something off. Now, I have a question for you. Okay. Because I always assumed this was a flashback. Oh. I always assumed this was a flashback to the time that they were stationed together briefly that made Sinclair trust Garibaldi to pick him for this job. Uh Uh-huh. But reading JMS's notes, this is a flash forward. Yeah. Specifically, this is a flash forward almost exactly two years, which is the same amount of time that Garibaldi flashes back later in the episode. Okay. They're meant to mirror each other. Okay. And so he even goes on to say in his notes that this is planned for in between episodes eight and 11 of season three. Huh. At this point. Now, this was before Michael O'Hare left the show, obviously. Right. Because that happened firmly in between seasons, Mm -hmm. in between shoots. And so he couldn't have known that that was pending. He might have had a suspicion, but he wouldn't have known at that point. And I didn't look at what those episodes were specifically, if that changed a bunch. Mm -hmm. Um, More so because I want to save that for when we get there. Yeah. But I probably won't remember. He also says that's when the mystery of the one will be resolved. Okay. Is those same episodes in the notes. I always thought it was a flash forward, but I could not. I wanted to ask you, do you think that this flash forward was Babylon 4, Babylon 5, somewhere else? Like, I think that's meant to be ambiguous, right? For sure. It's a ship or a station of some kind. Yeah. I think they refute on like rigging the fusion reactors to blow and how Jeff has to like evacuate the station. Uh And we've had... Well, I'm assuming it's the station because we've had so much prophecy about Babylon 5 exploding this season. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of like every every flash forward, it seems, every fortune teller, every great right. predictor all right. point towards Babylon 5 exploding at some point. Mm-hmm. So this might be that last shuttle out they always show us. This might be the moments before Sinclair gets on that last shuttle out might be the intention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it never occurred to me once until I read JMS's notes on it that it was a flash forward. I always just assumed it was a flashback. Garibaldi is wild in this too, with his like energy machine gun. Say hello to my little friend. Yeah. And he is unhinged. He's ready. This is the moment he's born for. Yeah. And, you know, we've got something that's like cutting through a bulkhead. But we don't know what it is. And he just lets it rip. Yep. There's a lot of accidental homage to Alien in this. Oh, yeah. But it is purely incidental. Apparently, Jameis is actually pretty upset about how it came out and those uh, comparisons. uh, Stating that if he wanted to do someone else's science fiction, he would just do someone else's science fiction. Yeah, yeah. If I wanted to do Alien, I would just try and remake Alien. (laughs) like I'm not going to do homage. I'm not interested in it. I want to tell my story. I don't think I would have ever, I would have just been like, oh, it's a little fun Easter egg for us to like, be like, hey. Yeah. You know. Well, this is also early 90s JMS. He's a different Mm -hmm. person now. Yeah. Yeah. He had created Miles Morales at this point. Right. We come back from the flash. Apparently not everybody sees the same thing. Yeah. Krantz says it's all uh, different for everybody. Mm-hmm. confirms it's flash forwards or backwards. And after a little bit more lip service to that, we cut back to Delenn, who is planning on refusing the position as the leader of the Great Council. She talks it over with a peer, 
and gives us some real true seeker vibes. Mm-hmm. You know, she's not wavering on anything. She's like, no, it is the the journey of my heart to stay on Babylon 5. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is. Spoilers. <laughs> we get back to Babylon 4. The first evac of the crew has started. Shuttles are leaving. They show us some more shuttles leaving Babylon 5 to go start the second wave. And then we meet Zathras. Zathras. Who upon, who upon seeing Sinclair informs him after a moment of deliberation that Sinclair is in fact not the one. <laughs> Thus concluding the season-long game show, Are You the One? Bob for reminding you, help control the pet population. Have your pets spayed or neutered. Goodbye, everybody. We didn't even know we were playing. Not the one. Not the one. Can I sing you the little song I sang my husband when yes. Zathras came on the screen? I would love to hear that. No one listens to Zathras. <laughs> no one listens to Zathras. <laughs> it's true they don't yep nobody ever listens to zathras <laughs> yeah the major makes one of a speech impediment which is not fucking cool no <laughs> and reveals that zathras just appeared in its conference room when the time shift started what a meeting that must have been kachanis is just like hey my niece is going to be here next thursday selling girl scout cookies and then zathras just appears in your meeting can you imagine this <laughs> happening at work all of a sudden there's a guy who looks like a thrift store and Davy Crockett got stuck <laughs> in a blender. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Zathras tells them the station is needed for the Great War, warns of the conflict, but can't really say when. He just says the year he's from, and they comment that that's absolutely worthless to them. It's <laughs> literally just a number without context. But for some reason, they expect him to know what Earth time is, too. They're like, what is it yeah. in Earth time? Yeah, like a alien. Alien I've never seen before. Who clearly just appeared in the middle of my meeting room. Yeah. (laughs) Let me get around to asking you where you're from. Mm -hmm. And then uh, something happens outside of the room and everyone rushes out except for Zathras and the security guards. You would hope Mm -hmm. that Zathras just leaves as the security guards watch. Yeah. They were like, oh, wait, we're supposed to do something here. (laughs) And then uh, they get out of the interrogation room and the suit from a space odyssey 2010 shows up yeah i knew i'd seen this somewhere (laughs) yes it's actually legit the spacesuit from 2010 it was a borrowed prop ah Um, well that they they did a couple of things too they turned it blue they tried to make it less recognizable once again if i wanted to remake 2010 i just would have jms might might have been better anyway (laughs) (laughs) no i mean he would have made 2010 better not that that would have made this episode better just want to be clear yeah (laughs) so the suit from 2010 shows up and zathras yells out that's the one (laughs) thus winning the season-long game show are you the one zathras warned him but he's a self-sacrifice type Hmm. Hmm. must be londo (laughs) so sinclair touches the suit gets sent flying Zathras gives the person in the suit a device that he has fixed. They vanish. Zathras like tries to make a run for it for a second and gets caught immediately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then tells Sinclair and Garibaldi they have to leave now or be trapped for forever. After that, we cut back to Delenn, who is before the Great Council. Valen told them the humans had a destiny they could not interfere with, which I'm guessing I'm just inferring they found this out at the Battle of the Line before they started the whole war. Yeah. 
Yeah. Delenn tells the Great Council, human passion is what has taken them to the stars, that they will walk among the stars as giants. They have a great destiny in them and Bari have much to learn from them. And it is the calling of her heart to be amongst the humans. And then the dramatic lights of voting go off and the Great yeah. Council has shown that they disagree. Yeah. I Did this scene kind of make you sad? Not for Delenn, but for the human race? <laughs> um... <laughs> No, no, not really. I feel like this scene gave me a lot of the Vulcans during Enterprise vibes. Okay. Like, I don't know if you've seen Star Trek Enterprise. I, I know we did Faith of the Heart once. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you've seen Star Trek Enterprise. <laughs> right. I've I've seen the intro to Star Trek Enterprise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I haven't seen that much of Enterprise, but. Okay. I was just like, man, I don't know, Dylan. Yeah. I'm not feeling it today, but that may just be current events. Fair enough. We'll see. Garibaldi is managing a hectic evacuation while Sinclair and the Major grilled Zathras further. And he's just like, I'm dead no matter what. I'm dead if you take me off the station. Mm -hmm. I'm dead if you leave me on the station. Maybe they'll build Zathras a statue. Maybe people will remember Zathras. No one's going to remember Zathras either. Well, it's kind of a running gag a bit, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We get Garibaldi's flashback right after this. Yeah, we get flashback to kick Garibaldi right in the nuts. Yep, he's talking to Lisa Hampton about going to Babylon 5 just about two years ago. And then, yeah, it's just, it just sucks for Garibaldi. And he's just like, I got to get out of here. This sucks. Yeah. Which, fair. Yeah, we need off this place. The major is just like, I'm taking you with me, even if it's going to kill you, because I need proof of what happened, right? To save yeah. my career. Dick move. Yeah. Like the testimony of a thousand people on the station saying they were all having flash forwards and backwards. This is going to tell you the truth about a time thing. This random alien who showed up needs to be there, too. Yeah. The 1000 people who have been gone for four years. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like that's not proof enough. Um, and then 10 seconds later, when he becomes mildly inconvenient, they just leave him. Yes. So the station starts falling apart. Major Kranz is the worst. <laughs> I mean, and you wonder, too, how long has it how long have they really felt this time? We know for yeah. everyone else has been four years. Has it been 30 minutes? Has it been a few days? Has it been a couple weeks? But Kranz is a little bit like he's a little bit unhinged. I was. I think it's safe to say he's got some PTSD about his. Well, I guess TSD. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't know what the term is when you're currently experiencing it. I think it was Tra traumatic stress. Yeah, I don't traumatic know stress. Yeah, he's clearly not processing everything that's going around him well, and nor should he. I mean, it's mm -hmm. very traumatic to be absolutely clear. Oh yeah. Um, but it's definitely some trauma response from him. Yeah. He's not. He's not thinking clearly. Yeah, so the station's falling apart. Zathras gets pinned by debris. We're going to mm -hmm. leave Zathras there. Sinclair, you know, Sinclair's been on Zathras's side this whole time. He oh, yeah, yeah. He goes, you know, he knows he has to leave the station, but he will sacrifice himself to save Zathras. Hmm. Hmm. Weird. Totally Lando in the suit. Um, <laughs> it's a draw. Uh, when Zathras tells him he has a destiny and he has to leave to fulfill it, Garibaldi and Sinclair rush off the station when the one comes back to save Zathras. Huh. And he takes off his mask and it's older Sinclair. Yeah. And he's talking to an off-camera Delenn. Yes. Very obviously. <laughs> yeah. Well, it so, was supposed to be. Um, yeah. 
it, it, it was never supposed to be a secret that he was talking to Delenn. Even in JMS's notes, it's like the reason you don't see her is because she's going through a change. She like she changes in a way that we don't want to spoil in between now and then. Uh, okay, got it. I wondered. I was like, is is it that she's significantly older like him, or like what's going on? You know, because I don't yeah. remember the details of this, but yeah, she's not, <laughs> and the change is coming very soon. So yes, yes. Sinclair and Garibaldi barely make it out in time. And then back on the Mimbari cruiser, Delenn is given one of the three triluminaries, um, which is that thing that glowed at Sinclair at the Battle of the Line. Oh, okay. Okay. I didn't catch that. I just saw a plexiglass triangle. <laughs> yeah. A laugh. Yeah. The little triangle on the inside with like the weird circuit that was poorly made at Radio Shack. Yeah. Yeah. That, that thing. thing. And there's apparently three of them, but no one's going to miss this one for now. Yeah. Yeah, they've no. got two others, so anything they need for official Mimbari business, <laughs> well, they're covered. It's fine. Take it to the station that we know is going to explode. Mm -hmm. Back on the station, Ivanova gets her typical post-episode plot synopsis for when a bunch of stuff happens that she's not there for. Sinclair is very ominous. We don't know when or where Babylon 4 went, so she might not have missed out at all. And then she says next time she goes and Garibaldi stays. Way to spoil it, Ivanova. <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. I think what my favorite thing is about this episode is that a time travel in like Star Trek, you might get reference to it again. Mm -hmm. You know, we get a reference of, you know, back, back when we hit the bell riots or whatever. Yeah. But we're not going to ju get just a reference out of this one. That's my favorite no. thing about it. This is part one of a three part episode. Yeah. And you wait two seasons for parts two and three. Yeah, the, the payoff is farther down the road. And if you were just watching this at the beginning, you think, oh, it's a time travel episode, whatever. That's a pretty good time travel episode. Hey. And yeah, then it's done. But it's not done. <laughs> yeah, there's there's only the three time travel episodes in all of Babylon 5, and they all revolve around the station. I mean, it's pretty obvious our characters come back to here. You know, that's not a spoiler. We see older Sinclair. Mm -hmm. we, we know Delenn is there. So we know that it's coming eventually down the road. And so just that anticipation, especially if this is your first time watching and you're watching this show for the first time, listening to us concurrently, I'm sorry, you've got to wait forever to get back to these episodes because they're great. Mm -hmm. But it's a journey and it's worth it. 100%. Love this yeah. episode. It's time for the rating. <laughs> What's your rating for this episode, Javert, out of well, Babylon's one through five? Well, I, it would be very appropriate to give it a Babylon four out of five. Uh, yeah, yeah. But there's one scene for me that makes this a Babylon five out of five. Uh-huh. I'm going there. Okay. That's the cold open. The cold they open. They did not need to do the bit with Ivanova at breakfast. No. This episode, this episode <laughs> was plenty strong. They could have saved that for a couple episodes back ago that were shit. They could have saved it for whenever. They mm -hmm. did it now. And just that the range that this episode covers, because I've complained about it before, <laughs> too, where it's like it, it was too juxtaposed, like it was too different. This was perfect. This was a nice little fun joke. Uh -huh. And then a really serious episode. 
That's a lot of fun. It's very important for the overall plot of everything. There's not a scene that is wasted in this episode. Every moment of this episode matters at some point later in the series. And it is just the apex of story crafting that JMS hones and just builds so well. And it's one of the reasons why Babylon 5 is great, is that type of storytelling. And this episode exemplifies that type of storytelling more than maybe any other episode in the series, especially in the first season. Mm -hmm. And for that, I got to give it the Babylon 5 out of 5. Yeah, I mean, it's Staley Devil over here because I give this one Babylon 5 out of 5 too. I consider it an iconic episode mm -hmm. of this show. I, all the same reasons that I like it. You know, those little like human moments where we play a prank on our coworker or we have a stupid conversation in a shuttle where we're spending two hours traveling. Mm -hmm. Like, for some reason, out of the things that I remembered about the show, I remembered Fast and Zip. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, because it's just such a human conversation. And, you know, I didn't remember the this, this stuff with the Len just because, you know, it was a little it, hard to grasp as a child. It's ambiguous. It's overarching plotty. Yeah. Um, and also, we get all of it more later. Yeah. And, you know, it, it was just a little dark for me, like dark visually and boring as a child. It was mm -hmm. not as an adult. Like, I, I was like, ah, okay, this is good stuff. I just, I just really think that this is i'm not going to say it's the best babylon 5 gets but this is the top tier structure of an episode we've put all of the elements together that really make this show work and you really see it in this episode and we're just yeah. going to get more of it in the next seasons more 100%. of that storytelling that humanness i'm excited i'm ready to wrap up season one the only two episodes left yeah We've got season one, episode 22, Legacies. Mimbari warriors threaten to start another war with the Earth Alliance when the corpse of a great military hero they bring back to Babylon 5 for a memorial display is stolen. Wow, we got some weekend at Bernie's, huh? That's the right <laughs> movie, right? <laughs> with the dead guy and they're making him dance. Yeah, do the Bernie. That's totally what happens in this episode. <laughs> I JMS don't remember heard this one at all. all of the if I wanted to remake aliens, I'd make aliens. Well, he wanted to remake Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> well, I look forward to that next time. Me too. I hope you do too. Thank you to Jeremy Siegel for our intro mm -hmm. and outro music at jeremysiegel42 at bandcamp.com. Thanks to Angry Duck Time Machine on Instagram for providing the art for our podcast. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, fasten zip, your opinions on socks, go ahead and let us know at whoareub5 at gmail.com or on the inevitably memed thread on our Facebook page for this episode. Surely this one merits memes, right? I ho really hope so. The most memeable episode of the show, I would say. Maybe it's not that one. Not that one. <laughs> uh, good night, Internet. <laughs> Bye.